definitely seek out comics that will help you and answer and ask questions like where you feel comfortable. Uh, don't be insulted if people don't want to talk to you. But also when you talk to those comics, and this is a mistake I made big time, uh, don't complain about shit. Hey everybody, this is Cameron Albobrannigan, and I hope you're doing well today. In this episode, I'm talking with Hannah Trav. She's a comedian, a law student. She has her own podcast called Keep You Posted, and she was accepted into the HBO Women's Comedy Festival, and she was a finalist in Philly's Funny. Please check out the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, and make sure to follow Hannah on her social on Instagram. Her handle is Wanda Cheeseburger. Without further ado, here's my talk with Hannah. Hannah, so why don't you uh, tell the great people a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, um, I am a comedian when there's not a pandemic. Um, well, I guess I'm still a comedian now. I do stand-up and I write sketches, but mostly stand-up. And I also go to law school. I'm about to start my, well, I'm on summer break, so I try not to think <laughs> about it. Um, but I'm about to be a 3L, a third-year law student, and I have a podcast, and I live with my cat, Georgina, in South Philly, and I love fruit. I love eating fruit and what's doing puzzles. What's your favorite kind of fruit right now? Right now? Yeah. Hmm, that's a great question, because generally I would say raspberries, but I've been on a blueberries. Oh, those are my favorite. I, uh, I like eat those like it's my job. Yeah, I, um, I made this like, it's called a blueberry crumble. I've been baking a lot during quarantine. Made this like lemon blueberry crumble. It's like a lemon crust. And then you bake. I know that's not eating fruit in the traditional sense, but I got really into blueberries. But you're getting it in there. You know, you're just like layering oh, yeah. flour and butter, you know. So healthy. Yeah, I, I also forgot I had frozen mango in my freezer. So I think I'm going to make mango salsa. There you go. This is so, what I do now. This so, is my life. The, <laughs> but this it sounds my- like you do a lot in, in, in life. Mm-hmm. Like not just the comedy, but also law. And you also work for an entertainment lawyer yes, as well, who's actually in the uh, podcast as well, coming out soon. Um, I do indeed. So you kind of are able to see like the entertainment world in many different like ways. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing comedy for six years. So it's very Mm -hmm. interesting. I mean, I started comedy when I was, well, spoiler alert, I'm 29. So I started comedy when I was 23. I, as a person have changed a lot. Society has changed a lot. That was 2014. Uh, yeah. So I've seen enough now in comedy that I feel like I have a pretty good idea of the industry, at least at the level I'm at. And I think I understand kind of where you can go in comedy. Mm. And then, yeah, being on the uh, entertainment law side, I didn't really set out to go into entertainment law. It just so happened that I met Mr. Remick and through another student and here we are. But it's great because I was interested in already in transactional law. So like contracts, instead of like going to court, like doing contracts, you know, right. filing for LLCs, whatever. Right. I, I'm not a real lawyer. He's a real lawyer. So <laughs> I would listen to his episode if you want legal advice. Listen to mine if you want to laugh. Um, yes, but I was very interested in contracts and such already. So what's cool about entertainment is seeing it apply, or entertainment law rather, is seeing it applied to the thing that I do and I am passionate about. Right. That's amazing. So um, 
how, how does one even get started into comedy? Is it just like, oh, hey, you're pretty funny. You just go up on stage. Or is there like a thing to it that people don't realize? Oh, I love this. <laughs> My comedian origin story. Um, well, I got, I can't say how one gets started in comedy because it's so different. I do know friends who have had the like, you know, buddy at the bar say, you should go up and do open mic and they do it. Or the person who was hearing their whole life, like, you're so funny, you should do stand up. I was someone that my whole life was telling people I'm going to do stand up. Like, I didn't wait for anyone to tell me I was funny. I was like, no, I have to do stand up. I discovered comedy at the age of 12. No, I'm sorry. I discovered Saturday Night Live in elementary school. My parents like did oh. not censor me at all. It was great. Um, I started watching SNL, loved it. Was like, I can't believe this is someone's job. That has to be my job. Making people laugh is like the coolest feeling ever. And then I discovered stand up, and I remember it kind of clicking in my head that you can be yourself on stage and make people laugh. Like that was just beautiful to me. And you can make a living at doing that. In theory, yeah. In theory, um, yeah. Allegedly, you can. Oh my God, my Siri is like, I'm so sorry. That was very rude, Siri. Okay, so where that. was that? She, what? She, likes, she, she, she does that. Well, you know, I just got Apple Watch. My friend gave me oh, Apple no, Watch. Oh no, another one. Oh. oh, I turned off the text messages and stuff. I just like that it does my steps. <laughs> And, I just have a uh, thing about Apple Watches. It's like I'm, I'm already connected enough to things. I just well, feel like yeah, having this like to talk to people. I like turn my text messages and stuff off. It just like tracks my activity, tells me the weather, that kind of shit. Oh, can I say shit? Yeah, you can say shit. You can say whatever the fuck yeah. you want. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, no, I like it, but I have not read the manual, and so my friend is very annoyed because I keep texting her questions, and she's like, you could just read the manual. She, like, sent it to me on my phone. And you're still not going to read it? Yeah, I will, but, like, random shit like that will happen between the, like, phone and watch, and I'm, mm. I'm like, I didn't do anything. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, for me, it's just, like, another thing to do. It's like, uh, yeah, you know. I, I just, I'm telling you, it's, like, mostly the tracking of my activity slash... Being able to see your, yeah. the weather on your watch is so cool. <laughs> I don't know. I just like to look at a window for the weather. What? That doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, now it does. deciding what coat to wear. Yeah, you, step, you stick your head out and you're like, oh, it's kind of chilly. Let me put a coat on. Okay. Well, <laughs> I live on the second floor, so I prefer to know before I get down <laughs> oh, yeah. the flight of stairs what kind of coat to wear. Uh, it requires outfit planning. I get it. I get it. I get it. I don't get it, but I get it. First world problems. <laughs> yes. So you started, you found out that there was this thing called stand up that you wanted to do, yes. and you were telling everybody and their mom that you were going to be a stand up comic. It's funny because, yes, I was in elementary and middle school, and so I had to call my friends' houses to talk to them because cell phones weren't a thing. Or I had to go to their house because they didn't live alone. So I was telling everybody and their moms. Ha ha ha. But actually. Yeah. No, I just thought that was hilarious and then went off with it. Yeah. I, so I discovered stand-up. I was like, this is it. This is for me. I used to write jokes and I was a bit of a loner, which I think a lot of comedians you know, everyone's, again, yeah. everyone's journey is different, but a lot of comedians I've spoken to relate to that 
you know, a lot of us are observing things all the time. So Mm -hmm. I think that there's periods of our life, at least for me, I went through some challenges as a youth. I was maybe bullied a little bit and kind of took this role as like an observer. Mm -hmm. And I already was interested in comedy, but that fueled it even more. By the time I got to college, I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. But in Philly, I, well, I went to the University of Rhode Island, but when I came home in the summer, all the open mics that I could find were at bars, so I couldn't get into them. So I just would try to like make funny skits with my friends and do whatever I could to just exercise that you know, yeah. desire to be funny. I would write jokes all the time, but I didn't first try stand-up. Well, I didn't first try stand-up until I was 21, and then I kind of did it once, like ripped that Band-Aid. It was so cute. My parents left me like a note above the stairs. They were like, whatever happens tonight, you did it. Oh, that's really cute. (laughs) It was so cute. Like, that's what I mean. Like the people in my life knew I loved comedy. I remember years later running into a kid from high school and I was telling him I was doing stand-up. I'm like, I don't know if you remember, but I like used to love SNL and comedy. He's like, yeah, we were friends. We were actually for, I remember that's all we talked about. I was like, (laughs) oh, okay, great. I'm glad I've had a consistent, I'm glad I remember it like it actually was. Yeah, so I- I tried it and I remember just being like, I can't believe I did it and I didn't explode. Nothing bad happened. Mm-mm. The intimidating part was not knowing anyone. So everyone kind of knows each other, especially at open mics. And I felt very kind of nervous about meeting new people and networking and not even networking, but just like networking for comics is like drinking together at one in the morning at a bar, you know, like I just didn't, I didn't really know how to fit myself into conversation. So it took me a little while to go back. But once I started again, once I went back when I was 23, I just never stopped. Never stopped. And it's interesting that you said that you be, you, because of what your early life was, you became an observer. And I, I, I tend to feel like a lot of artists, become that yeah you know they kind of see the world in a different way or they just take a step back and they really dial in like what they're seeing and how they're seeing it um and then they express it as such which i think that's the essence of comedy right like a lot of i mean i mean i'm I'm, maybe maybe essence is the wrong word but like a lot of what material is based on is a different perspective of what's going on. Sure. I mean, you're talking like about observational comedy. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So that's like definitely one prominent style of comedy and one that connects with people. What's cool about observational comedy just as like its own subsect of comedy is that you can be observing about your own life. Like I tend to write about my experiences in my life, but I'll also make observations on like society and culture and all of that. Um, you know, I'm so cultured and refined. No, I'm kidding. I like <laughs> make jokes about music I like and stuff. I used to talk a lot about politics pre-2016 and then I kind of just felt like on my podcast, I talk about the news and I, I in my mind, I'm the next John Oliver or something. But uh, even talking about the news, I find that talking about politics for me just gets really emotional and I and right. I try not to. I just try not to in a way where, especially with a podcast where, you know, the internet's forever. Like people are going to hear me talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And my goal is to present the news. So I don't want to get into that. So as far as like, I know, I think you asked me about the essence of comedy and I was like, let me tell you about me. But yeah, as far as 
<laughs> comedy. I mean, this is the podcast talking about who you are and what you're doing. So I don't know. The answer is I don't know what the essence of comedy is. I do think that observational comedy is a very powerful use of comedy or type of comedy. But so is like absurd alternative comedy and weird, yeah. you know, there's so many weird people out yeah. there who make good stuff. <laughs> I think the creative gene, any, any creative type, any artist, any comedian is, is, has to be observing in some way, even, even if it's like, okay, this sounds so inception-y, but even if you're like observing the reactions people have to the things that come out of your mind. Do you know what I mean? Even yes. if it's not something where you're like, oh, I'm making this very like obs observational view of th things that other people can relate to, but more like, oh, I have this weird shit in my brain. Let me let it out. And then I'm observing how people respond to it. Yeah. And you kind of judge what your set's going to be based on that. Yeah. That was the most I've ever said observation or observing <laughs> in my life. Back to um, back to back. Wait, what was what I just, what were you saying? What did you ask me? Is that how I determine my set? Yeah. Like I find that like a lot of comics, like they, they, they get reps in, you know, every night and they kind of have like, okay, I have this is brewing in my head or I had this yeah. written down and then they, you know, give the joke and they see how people react. And sometimes mm -hmm. they're like, Oh, okay. That one worked or no, this one didn't work. And then they, yeah, that's what I love about open mics is yeah. you just go and you write new, new stuff and get up. And especially when you're first starting out, like that's some of the only stage time you get, you're not getting booked right. on shows. And so you definitely want to be like carefully using that time and yeah, you I want to, Try I every person who wants to start comedy that's listening to this, the first step, and I'm so sorry that we're doing this during COVID, is to get on stage as much as you possibly can. So like find all the open mics in the place that you live and go to all of them when you all can. of them. All of them. I, I'm not kidding. That's how I did. No. I was out like seven you nights a week. It was terrible. I was so tired all the time. But you know, if you love something, that's what you gotta do for it. Yep. Yep. Totally worth it. That's we it. do it again. That's it. And, I'm you know, like just learning to cook now because I spent the last <laughs> years. I mean, partly I was lazy, but also like I was out there doing. That's open your excuse mic. because you got mo open mic. And then I went to law school. Okay, sorry. Okay, I okay, Hannah. But you know, it's really funny because you know, I I I hear other comics talking. You know, like I just heard uh, the Joe Rogan podcast with uh, Kevin Hart and. You know, other well, stuff. Well, I'm the next Kevin Hart. Right, of course. Um, but what I, I think people don't understand is, you know, anytime you see a special on mm -hmm. Netflix or whatever like that, or you go see, to a theater to see a, a, you know, a comic do their stand-up, they've been working on that for a year or more. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they keep those jokes in their repertoire for years and they keep going and they're kind of known yeah. for those jokes. I think, you know, a lot of people just, you know, see comics as just like, oh, you're funny. It's like there, there's a lot more work than yeah. just being funny. Now, okay, so. Also, it's a different kind of funny. Like I'm funny in conversation, I think, but being funny and writing jokes, I think it's, it's like a totally different muscle. Yeah. There are so many people who are so funny but stand-up would probably not be the medium for them to express it. And I think that that's the other part of stand-up that I really like is the effort and craft it takes to write jokes. Like, my brain 
just, you, it's like anything, like it's a muscle that you're working out. So like once you learn, there are formulas for writing jokes. There are like methods in which you can enhance something that's already funny and make it in joke form. Huh. Like for example, the rule of threes, do you know what that is? Yeah. Yeah. So like you give three it. examples of something and then the third one is a funny one. So, right. oh, now I'm going to try to improvise it and I know I'm going to do No, you don't have to. <laughs> no, I want to. Um, okay. So these are bad jokes. Don't worry about it. This is just the work in progress, right? Did you say these are bad jokes? I said, if. Oh, what? I was like, that's what a bummer. <laughs> these are bad jokes. Um, no, I'm not rating your comedy even before you say anything. Okay, no you know what? I'm gonna do it later naturally when it comes. <laughs> You're gonna hear it, guys. Okay, mark my word. I will do okay. a rule of threes in the in the moment. Go ahead. That's fine. So, later. um, so you've been going to you know open mics. You've been kind of finding your niche. You've been finding your voice and your people. Um, what happens after that? Is it just like you just keep going? Like, like mm -hmm. how, 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 do you, how do you build yourself more and more? Is it just well, networking or is it just yes. the different states? How is it? First thing is being funny. So people at open yeah. mics, especially in Philadelphia, and I've heard this is unique compared to other scenes, but a lot of our open mics go, are curated for the first half. So they go in an order that the hosts select based on who comes to the mic, who's funny. And like things have changed a lot now. So I'm speaking presently as like, or I'm speaking about the past. Presently, it's very different. But in the past, these used to be all run by men. There used to not be many females. And I would regularly go to shows where I was brand new or open mics where I was brand new to comedy. And I would watch like 12 dudes go up and not one woman in the first half. But I knew also I wasn't that funny yet. So that was like, you know, you got into the first half by being funny. And I think like that motivated me even more because I knew there would be real audiences in, in these rooms for the open mics. My favorite mic ever uh, is Fergie's Pub on Sunday nights. I mm. love that open mic. And I had some of my, I've had some of my best sets there. But going there, like they will get an, a Sunday night audience who wants to come and hear comedy and then the open mic portion will, you know, you, if you're going to do comedy, you're going to end up being out till two in the morning some nights. That's just what happens. Yeah. Especially when they're putting the list in order. But after that, then like, you know, there were people running independent shows, um, you know, renting out venues or at restaurants. And then there are, you know, the big major venues at the time there weren't as many, but since I started comedy. One of the big changes for me was when Good Good Comedy Theater opened in Chinatown. So um, the two owners, Kate, or yeah, the two co-founders, Kate Banford and Aaron Nevin started this theater. And it started with, they were renting out theaters, Plays and Players Theater in Philly. Yeah. And doing $5 comedy week. So like anyone could pitch an idea for a show. You would pitch your idea. Um, and I pitched this idea for your mom is funny. It's like a game show with comedians and their moms. My mom and I would host it and they selected that. So for $5 comedy week in July of 2015, we did your mom is funny. And right after that, Kate and Aaron started renting out theaters monthly. And they were like, we want to put on, be like a production company, put on monthly pr productions. And so your mom is funny. was one of the first shows that went for that. And then they announced they were opening a theater and then we got brought into that. So that was a huge thing for me to feel like, okay, I have my own show and I'm kind of moving up in some way. And 
Um, and then just really, it's like doing the stand up grind and like, you know, you, the Philly's funniest competition. I was, I remember doing that like 2015 and doing okay. And then, you know, getting a nice tape out of it and going from there. And like, you just, you're just always looking for new opportunities to promote yourself, to be like anyone, anyone would get worried about the the scene and all the politics of it. And it can definitely be stressful, but it's mostly just being my motto now is like be funny and nice to people all the time. All the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, and I don't think it's just exclusive to comedy. It's, I see the same thing in acting, same thing in dancing. Funny. You know, if, if you're a dick, like you're not going to, you're going to, I mean, unless you're unbelievably funny, you know, if you're a dick, like, <laughs> but, but like it, you're going to have more problems down the road, down the road, but you know, yeah. in, it's just, no, it's definitely know. beneficial to be a kind person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of times I try to work in a way that, you know, um, where am I going with this? My point is you talk about the grind. You talk mm-hmm. about the day in, day out. Um it, is it is it always being out at open mics or is it like some nights you're up late or is it just a constant 24-7, like you wake up in the middle of the night? Like, what is that grind? Wake up in the middle of the night for what? I don't know. Like you have a joke pee? idea. Yes, I always have to pee. Um, oh, a joke idea? Yeah, or something. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I have like random notes in my phone from ideas I've had, like especially while I'm falling asleep. Um, but as far as the grind, I mean – for me, the hardest, I like to go to bed early. So for me, the hardest part, my first couple of years was like adjusting my sleep schedule and just mm. accepting that like, this was the way you work up. This is the way you work yourself up. You just like go up at midnight or one o'clock and you do your five minutes or your three minutes. And you just hope that like being out and showing your face at the open mic will get you a better spot next time. And maybe on that better spot, someone else will see you. I think that it's interesting because now when I started, it was definitely more Facebook than Instagram. Instagram like has become the new thing, but I think like engaging with each other's content on Facebook helped. Like I would like, you know, retweet a comic that I liked in Philly or something and, or like message them something, you know, or someone writes a post and you like go in the comments and try to be funny there. Like, I feel like as a community, it's, it's networking, you know, in a different way because like we all don't we all go to the same open mics like I would see some comics way more than I would see my like family and friends you know so it's kind of this weird it's just a weird kind of cohort of people Mm -hmm. and there's some people you go to open mics and you would see them every night um or there's some people who come in out of nowhere and they're just like so funny and then you don't see them again for a while or the people who are like higher up would come in it's just it's it's a very interesting world. And I think the grind was also figuring out and trying to make sense of this world. Like I'm very much like a logic based person where I'm like, well, I don't understand. How do I move up? If I'm not like, right. what's the, me- someone explained to me how I move up. And it's like, you kind of just, I was very eager and I definitely, and I was also like 23 with this energy. So I was like, everybody explain this to me, help. And it's like, if I could go back, I would tell Hannah to just focus on just HT, just get funnier, just get funnier. But, and then I did, and that was great, and now I'm funny. <laughs> but also, it's it's a good thing to 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 be eager and to ask questions. 
because a lot of times, like for me, I mean, to a point, I mean, you don't, you don't want to be annoying. Yes. You don't want to be annoying, but you know. And I sure was annoying. <laughs> I sure was. <laughs> but it's good to ask questions. Like if you make friends with somebody, be like, hey, how does this work? Like, yeah, that's okay. Sure. Asking questions is great. I'm a huge proponent of asking questions. In fact, I, because of my eagerness, I'm like, very, I get very excited about everything. And so comedy is no different. Really? I was so excited to, yeah. <laughs> Woo. Okay. I was so excited to be involved and just to figure it out and like make sense of it that, yeah, it was definitely super annoying to people. One thing though, that like, I don't find questions annoying. That's not the annoying part. Mm. I was like, just kind of an annoying person and a little right. intense about it. But I love when younger comics, and I say younger, not age-wise, like newer comics, ask me questions because it doesn't super make sense. Like I needed a lot of people to explain it to me. I also was grateful because in the beginning, I was very intimidated talking to people I didn't know. And I had some male friends that helped me kind of acclimate. And then I was able to meet a couple female comics because the experience for female comedians is inherently different. And especially back in 2014 was very different than it is now for about two, my first two years of comedy, it was like, it was like not cool to care about women. (laughs) No, I say that flippantly, but I actually mean like there was not a, there was not a network and a having women's back that there is now. So I definitely struggled in that way. And then just meeting female comics and meeting new people and just trying to listen and ask when appropriate definitely helped. And also, like, it, like I said, like I was 23 when I started stand-up. Like, who isn't an idiot at 23? So you think about... I was. You know, <laughs> yeah, I was. I'm like still... I'm still like an idiot still, sometimes. Yeah, I'm still an idiot. I was going to say, I'm still like embarrassed about random shit that like I look back and I'm like, oh, that person never knew that I got older and way less intense, but oh well. Uh, yeah, so I just think about like as I grew as a person, I was, I was working full time as well. And, just, and it's, just, it's just interesting to see, you know, this sounds so cheesy, but like I grew up, my adult years have always involved stand-up like I'm growing as an adult and stand-up has always been there so that's really it's just really interesting to kind of track that those things together like my life progress and then stand-up it's really interesting you were talking about back in 2014 like it was decades ago but (laughs) it, it, it was still it was still like women were still not respected well, I mean, like, when was the Me like, Too movement? Like two years ago. Uh, yeah, but 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 even 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 then, like you would think, and it really may, you know gives gives respect to all the other female comics that you know have been around for so long. Well, it's not that women weren't respected. I don't mean it. I don't think I want to just. But it was different. Prep. It was. Different. I think that starting stand-up comedy in like dingy basement bars as a young woman in 2014 was way different than it would be now. And I don't necessarily mean that I wasn't safe, though I will say at times I was put in uncomfortable situations, but I would say like it was it was more the idea that if I was mistreated in some way, I didn't really know who I could tell about it that would be able to have my back because you risked being like 
not put on shows or something like that. And so I think it was very much like a, hmm. unless there's something egregious that happens, but even then, like people, women didn't always feel comfortable expressing right. egregious things that would happen because you would risk like, well, that guy's really well liked in the scene. And that was very much, and I'm not talking even necessarily about the Me Too movement, but like if someone like screws you out of a spot for something, or if like someone like, is an asshole to you in some way and he's a well-liked dude, it wasn't worth talking about. To people. Right. Even if yeah. you knew like what he did was wrong. Yeah. And yeah. And so it's like, it's really interesting to see, but, but that said, like, I think 2014, 2014 was when Amy Schumer blew up and was like the first woman to sell out Madison Square Garden. Women have been doing comedy for a long time and there are always going to be those idiots who are like, women aren't funny. But yes, in 2014, like I saw plenty of women kill. It was not like, people still had that archaic of a mindset. I mean, more behind the scenes. Are there any uh, comics you try to emulate or, you know, have mad props for? Yeah. I mean, the question about trying to emulate is hard because it's like in music, like you don't. Yeah. You can't, you can't be exact, you know, right. but you, you can, you can like pay homage. Like I know that like there are certain, like, you know, actors that kind of fit like a certain group or, you yeah. know, I'm sure same thing with comics, like some comics have a certain things. About yeah. That kind of yeah. So the two, in. the two comedians that I would say really inspired me when I was starting to write jokes, this was like before I tried stand up were um, Natasha Leggero and Chelsea Peretti. Both of them um, are, they're very different. They're actually, I think very good friends, which is cool, but uh, they're very different, but they both have this, they're not, they're not super self-deprecating. They're both kind of like, Natasha Leggero has this whole mm, persona she does, this like uh, grand New England money kind of mm -hmm. thing. And she's very observational. Chelsea Peretti is just like her special, her stand-up special, I think. If you haven't watched it, pause this and go watch it right now. It's called One of the Greats, and it truly is, like, one of the best specials. But her whole thing is she's, like, so overconfident. Like, she's like, I'm one of the greatest comedians of all time. Um, and so both of them have these very unique uh, perspectives. And I think my jokes are so different from theirs. Like, I write about such different things. But both of their attitudes and styles have very much influenced me. And in fact, Chelsea Peretti, I did an impression of, I've actually impersonated both of them at these like Halloween shows they used to do uh, where like local comics would dress up like famous comics. But the Chelsea Peretti impression, I was surprised came so easily because our voices are similar. Mm. And that was like really fun. Once I realized like, oh, I can totally sound like her. Some of our mannerisms are um, like just breaking into voices or whatever. So those two are my favorite definitely huge influences influences on me um and then i would say as far as joke writing i'm nothing like him but john mulaney is in my opinion like the best joke writer that's ever existed so i mean I, there are so there are i could sit here and just list names of yeah. comedians i love but i would say those three are top top notch for me so how would you describe your Come your 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 style of jokes. Uh, funny repertoire. <laughs> I write very short good. jokes. I write short jokes. So I write jokes about my life, and I tend to write like, 
I don't know. Do you want me to get technical? I feel like it's hard to explain my, I don't, I'm not good at being like, here's my style. I'm just like, I, 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 I it, it, it's hard for anyone to really like say, because you kind of have to see yourself from a third person, but like, you know, you were talking about observational comedy, like what kind of, are, are you just a storyteller with no. jokes or, okay. So just explain. Well, I might, I might talk about like, like I'll try to talk about stories. Like, okay. Yes. I, I said no way, way too quickly. I think of storytelling as a longer narrative form of either joke writing or like sometimes storytellers don't mm. do funny jokes. Like I've done storytelling shows, um, which are fun, but so I don't consider myself a storyteller. As far as my joke content, yes, I will definitely tell stories. I have been blessed to have some crazy shit happen to me. And I have said in those moments, wow, I am in emotional pain, but fuck, this is so funny. This is so awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And I tend to write when I'm sad, for sure. Like I did a show two years ago at Philly Improv Theater. I wrote a show and performed it. I did like two nights. Um... Friday, Saturday, and it came from 2017 was like the worst year of my life, right? And so I had started writing stand up about it, and then someone saw my stand up and was like, You should think of making this a sketch. And so it kind of evolved from there. And yeah, I did an hour long show about my life. I actually had actors in it with me that played like my ex boyfriend and um, my roommate, and I had someone play Bruno Mars uh, who appeared to me in a dream. So yeah, I think that like for me, I definitely write about things that are not super happy or stories that are really crazy. But my technique is like, I write short jokes. So it'll be like four jokes about one story and then, but each of them have a punchline, if that makes sense. Uh, Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I didn't know about that from from 2017. Yeah. It's uh, it was in the paper. It's on my fridge. (laughs) Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I, so it was actually January of 2018 that I did it. Um, and it was called the way I remember it and I wrote it and created the whole thing and it sold out both nights and nice. Yeah. And it was also like a really emotional experience for me. Once I was done with it, I was like, okay, I never want to think about this stuff for like six months. Like it was like, I was really, I ended the year on 2017 on a high note, but, um, the show took place from May to November, which were like easily some of the worst months of my life. Yeah, we're six months of my life, probably. But like you said, like you were Actually, in the no, mo- only May and eight, only <laughs> April and May and June were bad. Okay, sorry. Continue. <laughs> Go ahead. I said what? Sorry. Um, you, you were saying that like some of those like you were having these uh, terrible times, but they 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 played so well within your work, and. Yeah. I, you know, the same thing goes for any artist that I've met, you know, some of the, the, their worst experiences, they're able to translate that into their craft. Yeah. You know, it's, actors are case in point, you know, we're constantly having to relive certain types of traumas in order to, you know, convey, you know, and, mm-hmm. and push a storyline forward, you know, and, and it's really interesting to, 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 to hear that some of your worst moments are the fuel for some of the, the, the greatest forms of expression. So yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I always t- tell people, you know, some presents are wrapped in sandpaper. You know, there's always a silver lining to stuff. Totally. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting. So like, it's funny because I always say like, I write a lot, like anytime I've had a breakup, 
with the exception of like one, I'll write jokes about it. Mm. Um, and they're always, and especially like the last couple of years, I've just, man, I've dated some crazies and they do crazy shit. And then I get to write jokes about it. And my brother, um, the last relationship I went through or the last breakup I went through, um, I like texted my brother, like a joke immediately after we broke up. And he was like, oh, that's really funny. Like, I know you're sad. And then I was like, can you imagine if, <laughs> no, no, no. He was saying like, you're funny when you're sad. No, he wasn't like, ha it's oh. funny you're sad. He was like, wow, that's a really funny joke. Like, no, like, like your brother knew that you were having a bad time because you wrote a joke. No, well, I, it was, it was breakup related. I'm trying yeah. not oh, to okay. like oh, okay. deliver it here. Cause I feel like that's weird. That's fine. Um, and I would have to tell the whole backstory, but he was like, you're really funny when you're sad. And so then we started like making jokes like, dude, with all my breakup material, can you imagine if I got divorced? Like I would write oh a fucking gosh. book. Like I, I would end up with an hour. I mean, I ha- I've done an hour of standup, but about many different topics. I feel like I hope to never get divorced. But if I do, wow, there's going to be some badass art that comes out of it. Because I am somehow just very amused by breakups. It, it's like a, such a coping mechanism for me too. It's like things happen, crazy things happen that don't make sense to me. And I'm like, in order for in order for something to make sense to me, I have to make jokes about it. So, fellas, if you want to get a little bit famous, <laughs> oh um... baby, <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, the last thing I need is some crazy. Okay, so let me tell you about my last breakup. The last breakup. No, I feel like it's worth. Yeah, go ahead. I can't do stand up right now, so I really hope everyone enjoys the story. Uh, I went through a breakup with a guy who lied to me about going to Belgium. He told me he was in Belgium. Oh, I and, heard about this. Yeah, I told podcast. you about this. And he, oh, on my podcast. Yeah. Uh, and he had never left the Philadelphia area. He was in he was in Doylestown, PA. Uh. So thank God that happened to me, so that I could write jokes <laughs> about it. Then I dated a guy who, on our first date, gave me a concussion. True life mm-hmm. gave me a concussion. Hit my I forget. I'm on camera. I can point. Hit my his head. Hit my head. He was trying to kiss me. His head hit mine here. I had to go to, I had to be on bed rest. This was like this time last year. I was quarantined because of a concussion. Two years in a row. I know, right? <laughs> May 31st, not a great day for me. Last year, I mean, this year, I'm sure it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just really, it's really funny. Like these things happen and oh, they're so crazy. Like you, you tell someone yeah. that story, they're like, no, are you kidding? And I'm like, no. That's the coolest part is I'm not joking. That actually happened. And now I get to make more jokes about it. It's awesome. And, you know, a lot of people say that laughter is the best form of medicine. Yeah. So. They've never tried Clonopin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, well, I hear it's pretty dope. Um, but, yeah. That was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. Um, so, you know, you work – you know, with Mr. Lloyd Remick, who's an entertainment lawyer. Um, yes, how, 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 how has that changed, like, how you see yourself as an entertainer and, more importantly, as a businesswoman? Has that art? episode aired before mine? Um, it will be. Okay, good. Yeah. I just want to be able – I want him to speak for himself. He is a remarkable person. Yeah. What, what was your question? How has that changed? Well, yeah. everything about working for Mr. Remick in particular is wonderful and has changed my perspective on so many things. He is a fountain of knowledge and a true delight. But as far as working in this industry, yeah, um, it's just been very interesting to see it from the legal perspective. I mean, what I like about law um, is 
just learning how things work. Hmm. So for me, kind of learning the background of things, whereas I'm, you know, usually one of the clients like performing on the other side has been helpful. Um, I've learned a lot of lessons just about, you know, protecting yourself and how to get your name out there and little strategies you can use. But then, yeah, the business side, like, when is it a good idea to incorporate yourself? Like form an LLC? Like, when do you need to trademark something? What, what are the expenses to do that? You know, so when is a good time to do that? Like, is there any good time? Or is it just you just do it? Is I'm, there a I'm like not a lawyer. So that's I fine. Like, you know, we're all I, I yeah, but you had a real lawyer on. Um, what I would say is from my experience, it totally depends. That's the number one answer in law school to everything. It depends. Lawyers say that shit all the time. Uh, it really depends. It depends on the person. It depends on the phase you're at in your career. It never hurts to protect yourself. Having an LLC can protect you from liability. It can protect, you know, if you have a family and you don't want them to touch your assets, whatever. But also it's not, you don't have to do it right away. So yeah, as far as like, I don't, and, and the whole trademark thing depends on like, it's different for, um, musicians and you know, it's like, yeah. Well, there's nuances to each type of art form, of course. Right. Exactly. You know, so. so it, it really depends on a multitude of factors of like, what's the right time for you kind of thing. Yeah. So with that being said, what's next for Hannah Trav? Mm, well, I'll probably have a glass of wine, maybe take a walk. Uh-huh. Um, no, you mean next. I released a video on YouTube, um, a trailer for a Netflix documentary that I made with a bunch of very talented comedians and actors, um, all who film their pieces at home in quarantine. So uh, please watch that. It's very funny. What's it um, called? It's called Independence Woman. Hmm. It's on my Instagram at Wanda Cheeseburger. It's also on my YouTube, but I don't know what. Oh, wait, my hold, name... up. hold up, hold up, hold up. What know, is the YouTube... story about Wanda Cheeseburger? What? What is the what story? What is about the it? story about it? Like, who's Wanda? Where's the cheeseburger? Like, oh, how did I get my name? Yeah, what is um, it? Well, I could make something up, or I could be honest and tell you it means nothing. I made it up. Okay. Wanda Cheeseburger originated from my brain at like five in the morning when The Dark Knight Rises came out and they played it like every hour at movie theaters. You could like, uh -huh. it started at midnight, but then you could buy tickets to like a 4 a.m. show. I'm not even kidding. So I had to work that day. So I convinced my friend, because I'm, I'm not a late night person, I convinced my friend to go with me to see it at like 6 a.m. So we were sitting in the theater and I had just gotten an iPhone. Like I was, it was, I'd gotten it the day before. And I was like, I want to make an Instagram. So I made an Instagram and I thought at the time, I kind of regret it because I could be at Hannah Trav now, but I thought I was silly. So at the time I made it and I was like, what's a funny name? And I could not tell you where I came up. I love cheeseburgers. I don't know where I came up with Wanda. Um, it's a great name. I have no, I, I mean, it's, is it like an alias that you go by? Not really. I like, I made a video in college. I made a, a, a public service announcement <laughs> PSA video in college about voting. It was during the 2012 election. And you know, the Lonely Island, I'm on a boat. Yeah. I made a song, I'm going to vote. 
And so I put that on a YouTube page as Wanted Cheeseburger. Um, I don't know if I thought like, oh, I don't want my name out there. I don't know. I remember like, you're my, you're around my age. Like, it was like, remember when you like were scared of people getting your information? So you like signed up with fake names for like my Amazon account used to be my middle name. Like it was And just, look at us now. And now <laughs> they have all my data. <laughs> They're sending our fucking info to space uh, with Elon Musk. I don't know how space, the space thing works, but yeah. So it's like, it was one of those things. I wish it was a better story. I, I feel so bad that you took time to ask me about that on your podcast. Because every time you come across my Instagram, I'm like, what the fuck does Wanda Cheeseburger mean? Like- Nothing. I do love <laughs> cheeseburgers though. Um, all right. Well, at least I got that. I mean, you can always change it to Hannah Trav. Like, it's still People there. People like it. People are but, like... But that's the thing. People are like, where is this coming from? So like, just let them... You know what? Let me make a story up. Actually, it came from... I had this I'll nanny... I'll edit that part out. <laughs> yeah. I had this, um, this nanny, Wanda. She took great care of me, made the best cheeseburgers. Oh, my gotcha. God. My parents would be like, we did not have a nanny. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. I'm, see, oh, man. I, I wish I was better at improv on the spot. I never even did my rule of threes. That's okay. We still got time. Um, so I, I always give some questions. So, um, oh, okay. what, like, like a couple rapid fire questions. What is one thing in the industry that you wish was a little different or something that you could change? Sexism. No. Um, one thing I would change, let's see. I think that, Hmm. I don't know. I think that I've all, it's an interesting question. I think my answer is I wish that there were more places to do comedy. Mm. I wish that there were more, but then it's also like there, everyone has a Netflix special now. So I think that my things that I wish were different are things that I've also tried very hard to accept as realities. Like, okay, I'm not working at this club yet. I'm not, here yet i haven't done this yet but this is the way it is and if i just you know keep my head down and be funny and be nice to everyone and work on my projects that'll happen so there are definitely things i would like to change but i try not to think too hard about them because they're like they exist and that's reality you know just like the way more like the transparency about like you know if you're trying to get past at a certain club let's say like and you want to get more work from them like um, I wish I knew more about it's like it's based on the manager, the staff. It's like there's so many factors that go into whether they decide you're ready or not. I think one of the challenges I faced over the years is just determining like, okay, well, like what more can I be doing? That's something I wish that like it wasn't in someone else's hands all the time. You know, it's like you can only do so much. And I think that's like, and you don't know where you stand. And, you know, I've gone back and forth over the years and it's luckily improved for me in different places. But, I think that was one thing that was really, really hard for me when I started. It was like, well, I don't even know where I am at on your radar. I don't assume anyone cares enough about my success as I do. So I'm going to keep asking questions. And there's like times where I should have known to just like sit down, wait my turn kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and, and it's always hard to judge too, especially mm-hmm. when you're starting out. Um, what is one thing in the industry that you love that you just can't get anywhere else? comedy. I love, 
I, I have the purest love for stand-up comedy. Being on stage in front of a room full of people is my favorite thing. Besides, tied only by, not even tied, but like second to, no, followed closely behind by getting my hair done, which is like my other happy oh. place. Um, I love sitting in a salon chair. It is my favorite thing in the world. Something but, therapeutic about that. Yeah, I, I agree, yeah, can agree like, with that. It, long ago, it just became my happy place. But um, there are times where like I crave getting on stage. I like for the first month and a half of quarantine was like, I'm not funny. No one's laughing at me. I'm, I haven't been like, I just, that feeling, I'll go to open mics. I'll be so tired and frustrated and I'll be like, you know what? I want to go on stage and talk about it for five minutes. And it's like, I did an hour of stand-up last January and then afterward went to an open mic to try a new joke. Like, I was like, I just want to get a, hit another stage tonight. It's addicting. And, and that's... Can you hear my neighbor's children? They are... Yeah, so, a little bit. It's fine. They're very loud. I like it's them, fine. though. They're good kids. That's cool. Um, that's great. Yeah, so... So yeah, one thing I love perfect. about the industry is yeah. just the industry that the I'm in. The industry itself, yeah. The that's... art form. Um, is there any one, I mean, you kind of mentioned it. Is there one performance that you wish other artists could watch or listen to? What do you, oh, like one standup? Yeah. Or yeah. Watch get, Chelsea Peretti, one of the greats. Yeah. Watch John Mulaney, new in town. Do you want more? I mean, if you got them. Um, Amy Schumer at the Apollo. Live from the Apollo. I don't know if that's what it's called, actually. Maybe. Yeah, I think it's so. Yeah. Um, those are just specials that really influence me. I mean, like, it's also interesting because there are comics that, like, even watching five minutes of them, like, I'm trying to think of, like, like Nikki Glazer's one. Like, I, will, oh, I love – she's so funny. And, like, she writes such short jokes that, like, something of hers will come up for, like, a five-minute – Michelle Wolf is another one. So funny. Hannibal Burris is another one. I yeah. love him so much. I love Pete Davidson's new special. I also just like have this weird obsession with Pete Davidson. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's just so much good comedy out there. It's insane. So, yeah, great. Um, you know, I'm all about advice. Is there any other nuggets of advice that you would like to give other artists or creatives or comics who are listening? Hmm. Yes. Let me let me think about this real quick. Oh, don't do that. Uh, yeah. Uh, be as funny as possible. Like, spend as much time focusing on being funny. Like, mm. write. That's like my number one advice. Be as funny as possible. Uh, number two is be nice to everybody. Be kind to everybody. You don't have to like. If you don't like chit chat or networking that's okay. Just like stand in the back of the room quietly. Tons of comics do that. No one minds. Um, but just be kind to people and just drink as much as possible at open mics. Just drink, get so drunk that you don't remember. No, I'm kidding. Uh, whoa, rule of threes, baby. Make the third one funny. Yes. No. Um, you should drink though, if you want to, it's fun. I've done stand-up. It's nice to have a beer in you when you do stand-up. Mm -hmm. But no, what I was going to say is, um, is, oh, when you're at, like, shows or open mics, like, 
definitely seek out comics that will help you and answer and ask questions like where you feel comfortable. Uh, don't be insulted if people don't want to talk to you. But also when you talk to those comics, and this is a mistake I made big time, uh, don't complain about shit. Like don't, don't, don't complain about, well, I mean, to an extent, I'll, I'll listen to people complain because I don't mind. But like, just, it's okay to seek reassurance and like ask questions about what's going on, but try to accept the way things are. This is all like pre-COVID advice. I don't know what, I don't know what's happening now. I hope that live comedy continues soon. I don't know it how will. that works. It will. I don't know. Right. But everything's going to be different. You know what I mean? Everything is going to be different. The world as we do comedy now or did comedy is just not going to happen that way. So all of my advice, I think, will eventually be relevant in the meantime, as we all figure it out. Like, if you're someone out there who wants to try stand-up, now is not the best time, but there are all kinds of like webinars happening and comedians that like have time on their hands and are going live and talking about comedy. Like just like seek out. I was such, I am and was, especially before I started stand up, such a comedy nerd. Like now I feel like I don't take in as much content because I'm just busy and like my brain is doing other things, but uh, just take in as much comedy as you can. Like watch old specials, like just enjoy it. Good. Thank you. Um, So Wanda, where can people find you uh, besides South Philly with your cat? Yeah. Don't f- come find me here. That would be so creepy. Yeah. Be really um, yeah. I have a website, hannatrav.com, but most, mostly my best platform is Instagram at Wanda Cheeseburger. I'm on Twitter at Hannah Trav. Um, I have a podcast called Keep You Posted that's on like all the major networks. And then I have this YouTube video, but I don't know how – what my YouTube channel is called. I have been trying to figure this out. Like, I don't know how to direct people to my YouTube. Like, it's not like at Hannah Travers. Like, I don't know how it works. Oh. So, um, go I to my Instagram that. and the link is there. This is a lot of okay. web searching and internet, internet. That's fine. That's the life we have now, but I'm around and I love Instagram. Just follow me on Instagram. That would be so cool. Instagram people. All right. Wanda cheeseburger. Yeah. All right, Hannah Trav, Wanda Cheeseburger. Thanks, um, thanks so much for stopping by. And thanks for having uh, me. I hope to see you on stage one day soon. I hope. Oh, thank you so You're much welcome. for having me. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you want to see the full video of our talk, please go to YouTube and search for Cameron AB, and you'll be able to see all of my talks with all of my guests. Also, check out my Instagram at C-A-M underscore A underscore B. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about me and see what I'm all about, check out CameronAB.com. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day.